connecting you to the future of the internet. internet. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Still, after all these years, New Zealand's only show about the internet, technology, social media, apps, and stuff. I hope you're, uh, I hope you're somewhere nice and toasty wherever you are, because uh, one thing is for certain. Winter certainly has arrived. Hey, I'd love you to be part of the show tonight. You can text me, as always, 3920, keyword live. That text will pop up in front of me in one of the, well, seems like 52 screens here in the heart of the news hub. You should see the studio. It is really quite something. Keyword live, 3920, keyword live. You can tweet me at Vaughan Davis. I always love the tweets and uh, will endeavour to reply to the tweets in the order in which they were received. Later on in the show, Mr Julian Waters returns to the Sunday social chair with the lowdown on, uh, well, a bit of a refresh, really, on New Zealand Post's uh, remailing service, U-Shop, and that might become very, very relevant to anyone uh, online shopping in the States very soon. Um, and why on earth... Would Apple want us to use our phones less? We've got the lowdown on that. First, though. online accounting software company in YOB. Now, we hear a lot about SMEs, small to medium enterprises, and of course the media is full of the ups and downs of big companies, but somewhere in the middle is a bunch of businesses that Carolyn and MYOB reckon deserve a bit more love. Now, before we talk about that, Carolyn, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's talk a bit about MYOB, because I've never had an online accounting software business on the show before. This is a first, 
possibly a last, but tell me about MYOB. Where's it from? Who 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 does it serve? What does it do? And, and why would you why would you choose it if you're a, a small business? Sure. So MYB has been around for 25 years. It was originally a 20, 25 years. That's that's like 100 years on the internet. Almost, yeah. So we've been around 25 years, um, and we've grown over those years to have 1.2 million small and medium-sized large businesses um, across Australia and New Zealand. So we're a tech company, and we provide um, cloud solutions across um, accounting, uh, ERP, payroll. I don't even know what ERP is. Enterprise resource planning software. Okay, so that's big fancy business software. It is, but we design it specifically for the mid-market so it's affordable and it meets the specific needs of kind of that medium-sized business. So let's talk about that mid-market. So the mid-market segment, uh, according to your stats, makes up um, 6% of the number of enterprises in New Zealand, about 31,000 businesses, but it employs more than a third of our workers and contributes to around 40% of GDP. So it's, it's a pretty important sector, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's what got you interested in researching it. Absolutely. You say, I mean, the the big takeout from from your report just re- um, just released is that the mid market, these you know, I don't know, printing companies and little motels and uh, courier companies and things, uh, are urgently in need of a growth mindset. Yeah, so the mid-market in New Zealand is pretty diverse. It's made up of a a range of um, businesses. They can have anywhere from 10 employees to a few million in turnover to being multinationals with, you know, export businesses and thousands of employees. So they're a pretty diverse sector. Mm -hmm. But we believe they need a growth mindset to really be thinking about the future and how they're going to continue to grow and adapt in a very fast, rapidly changing market um, that's been driven generally by technology. But... but you believe you believe that they need this growth mindset. Why? Or what? What will happen? You know, what's the what's the downside of having a steady as she goes mindset? Yeah, I guess I guess the thought is that you know if you stand still and the rest of the market moves um, and they're disrupted and your industry is disrupted by technology, then potentially you'll get left behind and then end up declining. So if companies aren't focusing on growth, and I know a lot of um, banks especially. They assume that business owners are focused on growth. We're going to help you grow. We're going to help you grow. If if they're not focused on growth, why why they're not focused on growth? What are the what are they you know what are they focusing on instead? Is is there a New Zealand mindset that uh, is is a little bit she'll be right? Yeah, I think it's a little bit like that, but um, many companies aren't thinking about the future and the future impacts of what's going to happen in our economy. So if you think about, you know, um, you hold birth rates and migration rates and death rates, you know, steady, then we're going to have like less workers to non-workers in the next kind of 10 years. And so that's going to lead to skill shortages and skill shortages is probably one of the biggest um, challenges that any mid-market business in New Zealand faces today. And so what are the ways of solving that? Well, technology can help you solve some of those things. Um, Technology can deliver greater productivity. Um, It can help you um, grow your um, customer segment. It can um, help improve your profitability. Um, It can even help you with late late payments if that's one of your challenges. So I think the important thing is to think about what are your top business pressures and how could technology help you solve those. But without a growth mindset, you don't think about technology like that. You think, oh, it's just just a cost of my business. You think about sort of, you know, bumping along as, as you always have and maybe, you know, in a few years replacing the Commodore with a new Commodore. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, many big market businesses think that, you know, if there's a bit of pain, that's cool, I can get through it. You know, that's the Kiwi kind of way, I think, which is, you know, there's a bit of pain, but we'll, we'll just keep working to get through it. So when, when you say technology to deal with, especially school shortages, instantly in my mind, and I'm sure in, in a lot of the listeners' minds, we see some, you know, Toyota assembly line with big yellow robots coming in and sparks flying everywhere. That's not what you mean, though, is it? No, it's not. And I guess um, the government made a huge investment in UFB, so a fibre is actually quite accessible and affordable these days. And with along with that, um, new applications have come. So, you know, there's the um, Amazon, you know, AWS cloud infrastructure now and so it's made um, software and technology and applications a lot more affordable to the mid-market so you can now buy cloud ERP products and pay a monthly fee and you know scale up and scale down as, as your business changes and so those solutions that were once kind of expensive and only big enterprises could afford are now affordable for the mid-market. Well I mean I'm, I'm thinking back to you know I worked in the New Zealand branch of multinational there might have been 150 of us in three branches across yep. the country. Um, and of those 150 people, three of them were IT people. Mm-hmm. And they were just there to keep the, the big expensive software packages and the rooms full of servers running. It would be pretty rare. I mean, you, you probably contact uh, or connect with more businesses than I do these days. It would be pretty rare for a 150-person business to have an IT person these days. Yeah, like increasingly um, you don't need a host um, technology on-premise, you can host in the cloud and you can have a third-party provider providing that for you. You can um, use external services to provide IT services. And many of the business applications now um, are designed for smaller businesses to use them to get that same efficiency and productivity that bigger businesses can get. But you, you're not seeing it happen. I mean, you, you, you'd think that this mid-market you talk about would be that sweet spot of, you know, we're, we're small enough to be agile and try new things, but we're big enough to be able to afford stuff, but it's they're not necessarily making that investment or or taking that step yeah and so I think there's a little bit around education um, and letting them know what's available um, also education around if you've got these pain points in your business you don't need to live with them you can solve them in other ways through technology and that's why the growth mindset is, is pretty important because you need to be able to adapt to different ways of thinking and different approaches and and bringing in kind of new ways of doing things in your business so what, what are some other pain points that you're seeing so school shortages is one you know yep. is hey I, I can't afford I don't know a uh, hundred designers so I'm going to get an artificial intelligence design program to take care of 10 of them perhaps that might be a bit far-fetched but what are some of the other pain points that the mid-market businesses are are coming up against um i guess some of the main ones are around complexity running lots of um their processes of spreadsheets Mm -hmm. um which means that you don't have the ability to be agile and and really react to the competitive market when you see opportunities or or risks or gaps so that spreadsheet that worked when it was just you know you, you and your missus and and two vans and a kitchen table yeah Uh, doesn't work so well when there's 50 of you. No, absolutely. Um, The other one is lots of paperwork. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that leads to lots of inefficiencies and potentially kind of siloed data. So you spend lots of time doing VLOOKUPs on spreadsheets to try and get that single source of the truth and truly understand um, what's going on in your business. I've heard stories about people having to walk into their warehouse every week and count up how many, you know, pallets of things they've got because it's not tracked in a system. There's no other way to know it. Yeah, yeah. But what what does the the flip side of this look like? What what is a a mid-market business that's, that's using all the tools 
and trying all the technology and automating and and plugging into the future what does that look like you know when when a business is really humming you must have you must have connected with businesses who are kind of on the upside of this this curve so um i guess you know what we see is that their back-end processes um work seamlessly with um little manual intervention so they've got more time to focus on things like r d how are they going to grow their business or if actually they just want to focus on their lifestyle then they've actually got more time to go to the beach and and do other things with their time and so that extra efficiency gives them the bandwidth to kind of run their business or go and do other things um, and so that's kind of the kind of key benefit of it um, equally if they want to grow they can actually scale up take on new export markets bring on new customers without adding lots more overhead in terms of people are there, are there some sectors that are doing better than others do you reckon uh no i think i it, that's a very generalist kind of thing. I think yep. it depends on the specific business owner. Um, as the report says... Um, so there are good plumbers and bad plumbers. <laughs> something like that. 41% of mid-market businesses, are, their decision-making still driven by the business owner. Mm-hmm. And so I think it really comes down to the business owner and, and their desire to invest in and make change. I'm talking to Carolyn Louie, New Zealand General Manager of MYOB, about why mid-market businesses are not getting with the technological program back soon. Sunday Social. And welcome back to Sunday Social, talking with the New Zealand General Manager of online accounting software company MYOB. Carolyn, welcome back. Thank you. We were talking before the break about those mid-sized businesses, not the SMEs and not the corporates, who are sort of muddling along and they're doing okay, but they're not necessarily growing. One of the reasons they're not necessarily growing is because they're not taking advantage of the tech tools that are available. And you mentioned that a reason for that is that, you know, the company is often still being led by the person who set it up. Yeah. What role does management and governance in particular have to play in this, um, in this whole growth mindset issue? Yeah, and so some of the things that we see in mid-market clients that are successful are that they bring in um, different advisors into um, their business. So whether that's for an advisory board or a board, you know, they can bring in different skills and experience and knowledge to drive different approaches in a business. Um, We also see in um, businesses going through lots of change or growth is that they have flatter structures Mm -hmm. and they rely on a leadership team to make decisions rather than just the business owner. So that, that idea of a board is an interesting one. We had a guy from a company called Board Dynamics in a couple of weeks ago talking about technology and boards and digital, which was which was really interesting. Yeah. But, you know, every registered company has directors. That That is a requirement to have a registered company. But almost none of them actually have boards, do they? Yeah, and I guess, you know, there's a difference between being an executive director and owning the business or being a shareholder yep. and bringing in um, independent directors with external experience and perspectives and really leveraging that knowledge to drive the business forward. Because sometimes, you know, been working in a business for 10, 20 years, that is just what you know, right? All, and all world you changes. know is how to make plastic lunchboxes and you're very, very good at plastic lunchboxes, but yep. that might not be enough. Yeah, and so, you know, you want to bring in other expertise to, to figure out what directions to grow how to grow and what's the best approaches um, and I think that diversity of perspective just enriches that overall process and what you do. So looking, looking back to online accounting and MYOB, mm. the dream was as companies shifted to more of a self-service model on their online accounting and things that our accountants would be freed up from that you know spreadsheet GST drudgery and become those business advisors. Are you seeing that? 
Uh, we definitely are with our small business client base. And so um, at NYAB, we have the vision of the connected practice, which is about creating um, a platform that is an ecosystem where advisors and um, small businesses can leverage the same data. Mm-hmm. And so we've automated um, a lot of the inputting of data, so the transactional processing and the compliance side of it, so that those accountants have more time to work with their clients and be that advisor to their business. And, and are those accountants the right people to be those advisors, I guess is the flip side, because if they've had, had a career of just doing the GST, does that prepare them well to become a business advisor? Because you know, the accountants always say that they're business advisors, but you know, if, if 95% of your time is you know, spreadsheets, Yeah, I think you have to pick the right advisors for the right parts of your business. So um, and a financial advisor or accountant is really useful for how should you structure the finances of your business, how Mm -hmm. should you raise capital, um, or what's the best way, what's the right tax way to manage my um, compliance, all those types of things. That's really useful. But it depends on what your business is trying to achieve. If you're trying to achieve growth, then you might need to bring in someone that's got experience from your that industry or another industry and growing well, a business. Sounds like you need a growth hacker, which <laughs> is that, which is actually a thing, and uh, I hope I never meet one. Um, the the other part of this equation. So we've talked about the business owner, the governance, uh, their accountants and advisors. Government has a role in this too, because I you know government has been really active in encouraging small businesses, and it's you know really popular for politicians to be photographed with the uh, you know the struggling welder and hokatika or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they're every day in contact with the big corporates, uh, is, is government maybe not paying enough attention to that mid-market? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the mid-market should be our next um, superstars in our economy, right? So it's about helping small businesses become mid-market businesses and helping big market businesses become really large businesses and mm-hmm. potentially generating more revenues from overseas as well as New Zealand and then reinvesting in New Zealand in terms of their profits as well as creating new jobs and stimulating their economy. So I think the government needs to kind of put a focus and a spotlight on the mid-market and really help them provide the right support and investment to help them continue to grow, or at least some of them continue to grow. Because if we don't start like bringing people through being a small business, a mid-market, and, and then up to a larger business, then you know um, they're not going to be able to contribute to growing our economy. Well, speaking of investment, I mean, in the news recently, Callaghan um, Innovation, which is you know the, one of the big ways that government um, fosters and supports innovation has just made a real change the way they do that. Yes. Um, And sadly, that kind of uh, reflects what the mid-market is doing already, which is spending very little on uh, innovation and research and development, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, we found in our report that 57% are spending less than 1% of revenue on R&D and the recommended level is 3% of revenue. So where does that recommend it? So I was, I, I was interested in, you know, global benchmarking there. Where, did, where does that 3% recommendation come from? I think it's one of those kind of global benchmarks for that kind of um, kind of mid-market business because clearly bigger businesses like ourselves invest 16% of our revenues in R&D, but we're a tech business and we're quite a large business and technology is constantly changing and so we've defined that as the right level for our business. But the recommended level is 3% um, and I think it was only about 13% of um, mid-market businesses in New Zealand were spending 3 and above. Even, even, even hit that. So if you were investing in innovation R&D right now, for a lot of businesses, um, you know, I'm biased because this is a technology show, you'll right. be, be looking at AI, you'll be looking at machine learning and yeah. plugging into platforms like IBM Watson and things that are already out there. Yeah. But in your survey, um, less than 20% 
of businesses, less than 20% of businesses saw AI as likely to have a big impact in the next 10 years. And of all the numbers in your report, that one made me go, what? What, what are these people on? Yeah, and I guess... 10 years, of course, surely... Yeah, I guess the more surprising fact is that, you know, the majority call it 30%. We're talking about the cloud and um, the internet, which are technologies that are impacting the world right now. Mm. And so I guess this comes back to a little bit about education and thinking about the future and what these future technologies will do to your industry um, and how you should be thinking about them for your for your business and what they mean. So other than reading your report, which yep. is we'll get to in a minute, mm. if you were the owner of a, a, a mid-market business, you know, you had 50 people making lunchboxes, yep. and you had, you, know, you had some spare time to spend on bringing yourself up to speed, where is the first place you would go? What, what is the first thing you would read, the first thing you would look at, the first event you would attend? How, how would you kickstart that business, change your perspective and the perspective of your exec in order to you know, move towards this growth mindset? What would you do? Yeah, I think the first thing would be to clearly tap into the internet um, and, you know... Social what does that mean, <laughs> tap into the internet? And, and social's always a great place to start. Yep. So, you know, you start searching on um, Twitter, on um, LinkedIn and really looking at some companies that, you know, you think are doing a good job in this space. And so spend more time on social, see what, see what the success stories are doing. Yeah. Um, look at events. So events are a great place to get exposed to new thinking, new ideas, new technologies, but equally also network with the people that are at these events and who have been through that experience. And, you know, I spoke to a construction company the other day, you know, they'd been established in 1968, mm -hmm. but they were out there going, looking at the internet of things and sensors and how that might help them with concrete pouring. And they're not necessarily going to see that at a construction event. They're going to see that at a technology event or, yep. well, if, if only this had been two weeks ago, we could have said go to a tech week event, but yeah. that, that, that ship has sailed for yeah. another year. And I think in Industry publications is a great place to look as well. Like there's lots of them out there in the tech space, um, and just really also a lot of the um, industry vertical um, publications also talk about what's going on, future trends. What's the, and and if you're not attuned to that, you tend to just flip over those pages and go to the gossip pages at the back. <laughs> and of course, the, uh, the you know the number one tip is to listen to the show every every Sunday night at seven o'clock. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and failing that, of course, Carolyn, get hold of MYOBs. Uh, report on the mid-sector growth mindset. How do they do that? How do people get hold of that? Well, the easiest way is to Google um, MYB Enterprise Insights Report. Easy as that. Hey, Carolyn Louie from online accounting software company MYOB. Thanks so much for joining me on Sunday Social. Thank you a lot for having me. It's Sunday Social. Welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through till 8 o'clock. And you can listen back to that interview with uh, Carolyn from MYOB at radiolive.co.nz under Shows and Sunday Social. And we put the whole show up there, the first half and the second half with all the apps and websites and all that uh, technological goodness. And if you're a, um, a, a podcast fan, you can go to iTunes, look up Vaughan Davis Sunday Social or Radio Live Sunday Social and uh, listen to those at your leisure. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe you are listening to them right now via a podcast in the distant distant future. I hope I hope we left you a, a planet and society in good shape. Hey, welcome back to the chair, Mr. Julian Waters. How are you? Good, Vaughan. Thank you. What's your What's your technological week been up to? What have you been uh, What have you been focusing on that's fun and good and new and interesting and high tech? Well, it's a good question. What have I been focusing on? 
You sent a Facebook message before when I wondered where you were. That's pretty high tech. You know, the old message platforms is, is something, isn't it? You, you get a message from someone, you can never remember where it came from. I, I, I'm, I like the uh, Apple replying from the lock screen because then you don't, it doesn't even matter. doesn't matter. We, well, I, ha I had a similar thing the other day. Uh, I got sort of out of the corner of your eye, you see these alerts flash up, you know, mm. and there was, it was conversation between, um, you know, one of my day job clients uh, at the goat farm, the advertising agency, not the farm with goats, and I saw these alerts and I, I looked, oh, is that a text message? Nope. Is that Facebook? Nope. Yeah. Is it email? Mm -hmm. Nope. WhatsApp? Nope. And it turned out it was an iMessage that was turning up on a couple of my devices, but I don't even have an Apple phone anymore. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't even find the message, but uh, I, got, I got to the bottom of it. I had a funny thing just before. I, I, got a, um, I was using um, you know, text message on my, um, on my phone, and up popped a thing saying, uh, do you want to rate text messenger? Oh, really? What? <laughs> on the App Store. Really? Okay. Really recommend it for, for, for text messages. It's kind of cool. Hey, we're talking about phones, <coughs> and um, this week Apple had its uh, Worldwide Developers Conference uh, sort of six-monthly update. But disappointing, because we, we kind of think, oh, is it going to be a new iPad or a, a new kind of phone? Or a, well, what I was hoping for was a, um, you know, a new line of laptops, because my, my Mac laptop's about four years old, and honestly... Some of the letters you can't even read; they're worn out on the keyboard. That's some, how some much people I like use. their classic laptops, but yeah. Do they? Is it a thing? So it is. A, I was listening to a guy yesterday on a podcast. He was, he's got a ten-year-old laptop, and he thinks it's better than what comes out now. Oh, he's so, a goober. He's so, wrong. Some people are attached to their ports or whatever. You know, maybe it's got more USB ports, or it's got well, a, yeah, more, more things to plug in. That is the trend yeah. with with the new laptops getting lighter and smaller. Uh, one of the ways they're doing that is having fewer and fewer ways to plug things in, which is a bit frustrating when you've got all these old things that you want to plug in, you know, memory cards and printers and all sorts of things, for those people who still plug those things in. Mm. But uh, no hardware really announced at the uh, the Apple announcement, but um, quite a lot of software announcements. And the one that surprised me the most was uh, a range of initiatives from Apple supposedly intended to make us use our phones less. Or, or more, <laughs> in a more balanced way, maybe. Oh, what does that mean? You know, I, I, I think this is great, and I'm surprised something like this, at, at least the ability to see how long you've used different apps for, how much time you spend on them, what you spend more time doing. You would have thought that was something simple to provide, but uh, now they've just released it. They've re released it just now, so you can see, I mean, even just from the get-go, to be able to look at it and see, crikey dick, mm. I spent an hour a day on Instagram. Is that really productive, or is that how I want to be spending my... Am I, am I living my best life? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> am I living my best life? So you can see the time you spent on different apps, and then you can actually set limits for yourself. And so, so tell me about that. So let's say yeah. I, I wake up in the morning and decide that, you know, mm, 45 minutes of Facebook is enough. That's all I need that day. I set the limit. I get to 45 minutes of Facebook. What happens? I guess the app's disabled. You can't open it anymore and you can't use it. Of course, you could go back into settings and... Yeah, so, it, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hurdle, um, but it's not a very high one, right? No, yeah, but it's, it's enough. I mean, just even just the reminder, the alert is, is enough, really, I think, is, is a good start. The, um, the, the bit of it that I like even more is that you can set this for your, your kids. If you've set up family sharing with uh, iOS, you can set limits on the different apps and ti like times, time slots, that sort of thing. So, for example, you can uh, allow your kid to access 
um, one of the library apps or, or iBooks to continue reading a book, but they can't access uh, games or social uh, features. I know, I know you're not into the big brother thing when it comes to growing children, but, uh, you know, again, I mean, it'd, it'd be a minimum to be able to see what's going on uh, is, is really handy, I think. Well, it, it is kind of cool. And the, the kids and teenagers thing is interesting. I mean, people resorting to technology to control their own use of technology, I always it's a bit wacky. I mean, and there's a, there's a whole family of um, lockout apps that either incentivize you or punish you for, you know, using um, certain apps or even using your phone more than the preset limit you, you set. But when it comes to parenting, it, it, it becomes a bit of a hot topic. And... Um, I, I didn't send this through to you in, in time, but I'll tell you about it now. A, a new study from San Diego State University about how long kids should spend in front of screens each day. And I'll give you the background. Sure. They, they measured how long kids spent in front of screens. So I don't know if it counts TV, so I think they don't even count those as screens anymore. They're just <laughs> the wallpaper. Um, or unless it's Dancing with the Stars, of course. Um, so we're talking laptops and tablets and phones. And then they measured um, how happy the kids were and conversely how many sort of anxious and depressive symptoms they had. And they found that there's a, there was a peak happiness time. So after a certain time of screen time, a certain amount of screen time each day, you become less happy. So they, they concluded that up to this point, the time you spend interacting with your friends, seeing what's happening out there, watching a kitten video, makes you happier. After that point, it goes down. What do you think the point was? Oh, gee, You're a parent. I'm, I'm, I'm really a parent. interesting to know. <coughs> I, I would... Oh, God. They studied uh, half um, a million teenagers aged oh, wow. 13 to 18, so it's pretty robust. You know, it's, it sounds really plausible. I, I don't know. I would go with... Uh, yeah, if you're saying not, not TV, you're talking about sort of screens right in front of your nose. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think... And again, I don't know if you count schoolwork and that sort of thing, but certainly connected time, I would think, you know, not much more than an hour. You got it. You got it. Yeah. You are parent of the yeah. year. One hour. So San Diego State University studied half a million teenagers, right. 13 to 18, uh, measuring symptoms of happiness and the flip side of that, and they found that after an hour of screen time, you became less happy, more depressed, more anxious. That's quite a low number for a lot of kids out there. That's a really low number, but the uh, the numbers are in. The numbers are in. Hey, one number that is out, and this uh, this is a blast from the past, Julian. One number that is out is a thing called clout. So before we talk about um, the the killing of it, let's talk about what it is. What was clout? K L O U T. It was amazing. I, I loved clout, and a lot of people hated it. I think it's 10 years ago that it came out, which is amazing when you think about this whole notion of being an influencer. That's 70 years on the internet. Yeah, exactly. But what it's, is clout? What is clout? Yeah, it was, so, so it would it would look at how many followers and friends you've got across your social media platforms, Twitter, and um, I don't know if Instagram was big back then, but um, Facebook, uh, maybe even LinkedIn, and how... <coughs> I think it might dig into how you interacted with them and what sorts of things you talked about on those channels. And it would give you a score from 0 to 100. 100 being the most influential people. That was, that was if, if Justin Bieber and Barack Obama had a baby, its yeah. clout score would be 100. 
Right, and and if you never used, if you'd opened up these accounts and never used and them, then died zero. Yeah, that's mm. right. So um, it used to be a lot of fun with our little uh, social media club gathering in Auckland when people would sort of, you know, it's like you're a 65 and I'm only a 50. You know what's going on here? Um, and then some of the topics people would ridicule. But but I thought you know, so often people and they still people still look at it and go, oh, you've got. How many followers you got on Twitter now? Vaughan, 10, 20,000 or something? Oh, I split the difference. About yeah. 15, 16,000. Yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah. people will still look at that and say, oh, he's got 15,000 followers. Let's send him free stuff. Whereas someone else who might only Let's have... Let's give him a radio show. Yeah, exactly. Where someone's only got 500, they'll say, well, you know, they, they don't really matter. Yeah, and um, the thing... At the thing least that clout was a bit better. Yeah, it dug a bit deeper and went, okay, are you interacting? Uh, is your content getting... Um, shared, mm. reposted, retweeted, commented on, liked, and stuff like that. But yeah, but they've decided after after ten years. Well, there's no money in that stuff, so they've just gone and closed it down. What was what, what did your clout score peak at, Julian? Ooh. So this is why this is why we didn't like it because we used to, it used to just be a big competition. I don't know, maybe sixty something. I think I don't know. Yeah, that's a yeah. yeah. I think I was yeah. I, th- I think I was high sixty something. Less sixty than yours, Vaughan. Don't worry. Less yeah. I don't want it to come between us. Hey, one last thing I want to talk about before the break, and this is getting really topical, um, with Amazon uh, doing the dirty on everyone in Australia by saying you can no longer, as of July, shop from Amazon.com. You have to shop from Amazon.com.au, whatever that is. Um, This may well happen in New Zealand, which means, uh, you know, we we won't be able to buy things. Uh, You know, Amazon sellers will not ship in New Zealand if this, if this policy change comes in, which um, got me thinking about uh, a New Zealand post service called U-Shop. Have you ever used U-Shop? I Jim? have. It is an essential service. It is are. very cool. So you, you will have had this experience. You go to buy these, you know, I don't know, this is, I'm just going to make something up too cool to even be true, orange leather nomads, they, I mean, they can't possibly exist, um, and you find them in an online shop in the States uh, and they only ship to the States. What do you do? So you go to U-Shop, um, and I can't remember what the web address is, but you just Google U-Shop, NZ Post U-Shop, and it says, you know what? Send it to this special address in Seattle, um, and the retailer of the Orange Leather Nomads won't know that you live in New Zealand. They'll think you're in Seattle. And when it gets to Seattle, so you just pay the you know US postage, which is sometimes free. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. free. Um, and then when it gets there, they... They work out what the postage to New Zealand would be, NZ Post up in Seattle, um, and send you an invoice. You pay the invoice, and they they ship it to you. That they even repack it. Like if, if it's sent in a great big box, they'll put it in a smaller box or something uh, to to make it just 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 to, just to make it affordable. Yeah, I mean, it's not super right. cheap. You know, you're looking honestly, you can around 20, 20 bucks a pop uh, is is kind of where it starts. Um, but you know, if 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 you've got something that you can't get anywhere else, and uh, they won't send it to New Zealand, uh, U-Shop is pretty much the way to go. You've yeah. had good experiences with it. I have, yeah, I, I have. I mean, look, I'm a believer in supporting local retailers where we can, and ultimately, you know, if you're going to end up paying things like duties and stuff, and, and you know, paying GST when it arrives, it, it can end up. You're not necessarily going to save money buying overseas, but it, yeah, it's it's simply there's some tennis stuff they don't send here. 
Uh, my daughter wanted Maria Sharapova's bag. You know, you of have to get it from did. some obscure online store somewhere in Europe and whatever, and they're never going to ship it here. So, oh, and that's, yeah, that's, that's the thing. U-Shop also in. has a, a European version too. Yes. So there's a European address you yes, can send to. So absolutely yeah, recommended. Hey, after the break, talking to the apps, websites, and uh, other such online goodness you just cannot do without. Back soon. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through till 8 o'clock for the uh, beginning of the weekend variety wireless. Graham Hill waiting in the wings. And with me in the studio again, Julian Waters. Welcome back, Julian. Thank you, Vaughan. I, I think I feel like the first website we're about to talk here is um, going to give away one of my trade secrets. <laughs> And people, people often say, where do you find all this stuff? How do you know about these crazy apps or these gadgets or the, the new websites and stuff? And I say, oh, you know, I just uh, spend time looking around. I'm pretty well connected. Actually, a lot of them I find via this one website. Tell us about it, Julian. It's called Product Hunt, producthunt.com. And I confess to being one of those ignorant masses who was not aware of it either until uh, someone alerted me to it recently. Oh, really? And I thought, oh, okay. Um, I, I th my first thought was, woohoo, I'm not as much of a geek as I, I might fear. And my second thought was, gee, this does certainly make it a lot easier. So it's got a lot of new apps that, that people have created. Um, but what, what makes it useful, they're listed, it's sort of like a, you know, I don't know, an index, if you like, or a directory. But, it, but you can vote them up and down and you can comment on them, that sort of thing. So anything that's really hot, anything that's yeah, hot. You, you're going to find it much faster than just reading tech news uh, in general. And, and it's, yeah, it's kind of immediate. So, so if I come up with a great new app or gadget, I will, part of my launch strategy will be to get it straight onto Product Hunt, tell all my friends to vote for it and up it goes, as opposed to, you know, waiting a couple of weeks for the reviewer at the New York Times to get her hands on it and, and write about it, right? So yeah. it really is the leading edge. I, I guess it's the equivalent for uh, technology fans of, of someone wanting to know who the up-and-coming rugby players are or whatever in a sports league. You know, this is how you can be the first to know. And you want to be the first to know, don't you? You really yeah. do want to be the first to know. So I, I go there, um, actually most Sunday afternoons, I go there and go, oh, to talk about what's cool and and you know there's a lot of dross because there's a lot of volume a lot of stuff you go oh why, why would i even want that and there's a lot of stuff that's really niche you know like um you know productivity software for veterinarians and you know hey i'm not productive um but there's a lot of interesting little gems now this one you told me about um Funny you talk about being the first to know. This one I'd never heard of, but clearly a lot of people in New Zealand have because there's a lot of New Zealand content on this next app. Uh, it's really, really cool, but it's already had um, 45 million downloads. What is it? TikTok. Yeah, no, actually, even more on the edge. I saw this from a, a, an investment community newsletter, but it linked to Product Hunt. So, yeah, TikTok is just, it just looks atrocious, to be honest. I, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. But oh, you think it's, it's atrocious? <laughs> I thought it was quite good. <laughs> like making stupid videos and, you know, I mean, yeah. No, well, let's, let's give it a chance here. <laughs> uh, 45 million people can't be wrong. Let's, let's, let's mm. just explain it dispassionately and tell people what TikTok is. So, well, if we start from, it's... Likened to Musical.ly, which has been quite big, where you sort of lip sync to music videos. This one is more uh, karaoke. So, so, I mean, you know, the blurb will say whether it's dance, freestyle, or performance, creators are encouraged to let their imagination run wild. You, you haven't explained what it is at all. Let's start again. What is it? 
I can't quite figure it out. Okay, I'll explain it. Julian, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I, I, I get you in here, I give you a nice glass of water. So what TikTok is, it is a video creation app that allows you to make 15-second clips, and most people use it to make little mini dance or music videos. And the ones I've seen are really creative. So you get a little bit of music, and you'll get your friends together, and you'll do a little little sequence dance or a move or, or some sort of, um, you know, some sort of viral activity, and, and post it. And these videos are really fun. They're really entertaining. They're, they're kind of like Vine, which was a looping video service <coughs> that got killed last year, uh, except with a real, real strong music thrust. The things that stood out for me is, while, guess, uh, 44 and a half million of these 45 million people who've downloaded TikTok are Chinese. So it's an insight into a way a whole other you know, area of the community is, is using uh, apps on the internet. And there's a heck of a lot of them being made in New Zealand. So there's obviously a geolocation um, aspect to it. So when you go on the app, TikTok, TikTok it's free, uh, you'll get a timeline of these videos. And all the ones I saw, because I, I, I guess defaults to your local area, were... Um, were kids doing music moves in New Zealand. I thought it was fun. Didn't it's, you like it? I, I guess it's a, a, another stage for creativity. And when, when it can be, you can see... Can you not dance? Local, is that exciting. what it is? Is that what this is? You know, the 15-second video you thing, I, I thought that had been thrashed to death. You know, I thought everybody had done it, you know. But there you go. It's, it's still there. It's, people are still having a go at it, and people still love it. I, I guess it'll be the, the thing of the flavour of the month for a few months, and then... Well, you we know. can't be the flavour of the month for a few months. That's, no, that's oxymoronic. Um, but I liked it. I thought, I thought it, was, it was joyful. That's what I liked about it. People were enjoying and, themselves. And we do need more of that in the world, don't we? What the world like, needs now joy a chance. is is joy. Tick, TikTok. TikTok. TikTok and joy. No, TikTok. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was very, very cool. I recommend it to, uh, well, to anyone anyone who wants to share their dancing skills with the world, which is yeah. pretty much every drunken uncle. Every <laughs> drunken uncle listening, uh, this is your chance to make it to the world stage. Hey, we've got time for one more website, I reckon. And you know what? This is actually another one of my trade secrets, Unsplash. <coughs> You're all about the trade secrets today. Yeah. A again, one I only just discovered. Um, Where have you been? Don't you listen to my show? <laughs> yeah. Everybody listens to your show. Mm -hmm. um, so those of us that, and it's more and more of us, right, who create a brochure or put something on a website or whatever, you know, images make a lot of difference, don't they? And good images can really, really help. Oh, uh, well, but hey, we can just steal them. We can just, we can just search Google Images, find a really good picture and steal it, right, and put it into our brochure. Why can't we do that? Firstly, you could get in trouble. Secondly, often on Google, you can't get a high enough resolution. So you'll send it to the printer. The printer will say, this is going to look no good. And people just go, oh, well, keep, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and thirdly, it doesn't give you much of a flavor of your own. Um, so, yeah, a site like this can is, is a source of a lot of really good-looking images. They're really good. They're, they're, they look very professionally done. But they're free. They're actually free. Uh, instead of paying, again, like probably you and I commonly do, paying 50 bucks to use a, um, a licensed image from a professional photographer. Or, or thousands to have an image taken. You know, because my day job, yeah. I run an advertising agency. Imagery can be really, really expensive. Mm, because it's necessary. And it's a real skill to take great photos. So unsplash.com has thousands and thousands of very large, by which I mean 
you know, big file size. Very, very high quality imagery. There's kind of a, there's kind of a hipster landscape vibe to it, I suppose. It's quite, it's not like action photography with, you know, boxing matches and motorbikes. It's more, um, you know, glaciers and forests and um, captured moments and cafes and things. There's, there's kind of a hard to just define buzz to it, right? Yeah, but I mean, hey, what else do you want these days? I, I mean, it does have a very modern look to it. Which, which is great. Um, I mean, I, I just searched something random. I searched for tennis because every image can be tagged with different subjects. And there's a lot of cool tennis images, d different sorts of angles on tennis courts. Uh, you know, but quite artistic, you'd say. Yeah, very yeah, artistic, quite artistic looking. Um, I mean, and, and, and being able to search as, as a development, because I've been looking at Unsplash for years from, you know, in its early days there were hundreds of photos which is not many, and you end up mm. seeing the same photo everywhere. But now there are thousands, and now you can search them which is really, really cool. Would, and, you, would you contribute to something like this? Was, was that the option? Is it, does it ask you to contribute or does it just expect that if you, you know, see a Julian Waters photo and download it for free, you'll go, you know, next time I pay for a photo, I'll pay for one of his. I haven't seen an invitation to contribute, but I imagine that's... Yeah, I think, I think the idea is it's a, show, it's a showcase. It's a showcase for photographers right. looking for commercial work down the track. So unsplash.com, which I thought was really, really cool. Hey, well, thank you for joining me on Sunday Social, Julian. Pleasure. Yes, I'll do my homework better next time. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not here to chastise you. I'm here to lift you up and uh, and get you down the path to joy via apps such as TikTok. I want, I want to see, I want to see from you uh, a dancing video with your kids this time next week. Hey, thanks also to Carolyn Louie from MYOB, uh, Sarah and Yasmin in the booth next up Grand Hill with the Weekend Variety Wireless. I'm Vaughan Davis, 99.